You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. But this is a word that the Lord has put on my heart. Every year, Jess and I, at New Year's, um, we don't stay up late and watch the ball drop because we have six kids and we're usually in bed by 9 o'clock. But one of the things that we do is we just write down all the things that we're believing God for. Believing God for in our physical life, believing God for in our finances, believing God for in our spiritual. And we just write them all down and we pray, we submit them to God and we entrust them to him. And now that we've been married for 15 years, um, we have things we've asked God for and things God has answered. So every year now we, we take we, at the beginning we thank God for all the things he's accomplished, all the things that we set at the beginning of 2022 and we're believing God for and how he answered every single one of those. And then we set um, new goals and we've, we've taught our children to do this as well. And some of those goals have been believing for friends. Um, one of the goals was for Jess and I, believing for uh, people that were ahead of, ahead of us in life, in family, and uh, that we could have a friendship like that, somebody that could pour into us that's, that's raised children, <clears throat> that has a thriving marriage, that's managed their finances well. That was important to us. But I think it's what I love about the new year, and people knock, you know, new year, new me, and setting goals, and you're not going to fulfill those goals come February or March. I love Anytime people are willing to bring change into their life, to take an honest assessment of where they're at and say, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at and I'm believing God for more. And those things don't just magically happen. You don't just automatically walk into 2022 over, or 2023 overweight and then walk out of it looking like the rock. The only way that you can do that is with a little help, if you know what I mean. But also by setting a plan, the guy's juicing. There's no way. I love the rock. I love him. But a dude, homeboy's juicing. He's like in his 50s, man. Anyway, anyway, um, you got to write down a plan. You got to commit your plans to God and God has plans um, for you. And so this is the, this is the scripture that God put on my heart, <clears throat> not only for, for our family, but I believe for our church and for you individually. And so I want to read this scripture to you. And I would encourage you to save this scripture on your phone, to write this scripture down, to, to write this scripture down on a three by five card and put it in your car, to write this scripture on your mirror, but to be reading this scripture almost every single day to allow it to renew your mind. Because what happens is you can come out of a meeting like this and be really excited, or you can come out of a time with God where he spoke to you and you're on fire, you're passionate, you're ready for revival. And then a week down the road, things start to not go the way that you had anticipated and you drop the promise. You forget the scripture that the Lord put on your heart and you begin to rely on what you see and what you feel and what you're experiencing, which is a poor indicator of what God is trying to do in and through your life. So the scripture is Psalm 65:11, And this is out of the NLT. There are many different versions, um, but I, I liked this one. And it says, you crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. I just love that scripture. What a powerful verse to speak over your life, to speak over 
this year. Remember, there is power in our tongues. The power of life resides in our tongues. So when we read this scripture, we're proclaiming this truth over our life. That word crown isn't a word we use very often. We think of like a king with a crown, right? But the Hebrew word, it literally means to surround. So God is saying that your year is surrounded with a bountiful harvest. Well, does that apply to my marriage? Yes, I believe it does. Does that apply to my finances? Yes, I believe it does. Does that apply to my physical goals that I'm trying to get into shape, that I'm trying to shed some pounds? Yes, I believe that God is wanting to prosper you in every area of your life, in peace, in health, in provision, and joy. Now, Jesus said in the midst of that, in the midst of wanting you to grow and to prosper in all of these areas, you have to understand, Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And you're going to face trials and tribulations in this life. And right there you say, well, wait a minute, Matt. It sounds like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. You're saying that God wants to prosper my finances, prosper my marriage, my relationships, my occupation, my giftings, but I'm also going to have to go through hardship. And the truth is, yes, but God blesses you in the midst of the storms of life. And there have been certain sects of Christianity where they've just focused on the prosper. God wants you to have this. God wants you to have this. God wants you to have that. God wants you to have this. Blab it, grab it, and name it, claim it. And there's an element of, yes, God does want you to prosper. But it is not void that we are going to face trials and tribulations in this life. Both can be true at the same time. And some people just focus in on this. Woe is me. It's always going to be hard. At least I got Jesus. You know, we're really no different from the world. We're just saved. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. And both are like a caricature of what God is trying to do. Do you know, do you, you guys know what a caricature is? You know, when you go to the fair and there's some dude there with like a little sketch pad and he's like going to draw a caricature of you and he draws a pad, you pay him like 25 bucks and he, paint, he draws you a picture and you have like a really big ears, which I already have, really big nose, really, it's like they accentuate all of your features. It's, it's, it's not you, it's a caricature of you. And sometimes if we're not careful in, in the church, we can make caricatures of God's word. And so I have committed my life to preaching the full counsel of God. And so, yes, God wants to prosper us. And yes, we are going to face trials and tribulations in this life. But back to that word, he wants to crown the year with a bountiful harvest. That word bountiful means large in quantity, abundant. And God wants you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. God wants you to have an abundance so that you can meet the needs of all that are around you. God fills your cup to overflowing so that you can pour into other people's cups who are empty. If you had a cup, your solo cup, and I kept pouring into it and you never removed it, and I just kept pouring into it, it's going to spill over and it's going to make a mess. But if I, if I pour into your cup 
and you're pouring into others, I'm going to continue to pour because you're, you're being blessed to be a blessing. But I want this word harvest, it, it's always kind of used of like God's getting ready to do a new thing. God's getting ready to do something huge. God's getting ready to prosper us. And that is true. But having been born and raised in Maine, I grew up working on a farm. Anybody ever work on a farm? Okay, few of you. But you can relate to this just because you live in the state of Maine. Okay, a harvest is great because the seeds that you've sown and all the work that you've done is going to result in, you know, you being fed, you having enough in your storehouse, you getting paid. But a harvest is work. And that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. Bringing in a potato harvest is backbreaking work. Raking blueberries is backbreaking work. Picking peas is backbreaking work, but it's necessary. So we celebrate that God has given us a bountiful harvest, that there's more than enough for us, that there's enough to be able to meet the needs of others, but it requires work. This is why the Lord said in Matthew 9, 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So the harvest is great. God has crowned the year, your year, with a bountiful harvest, but it is going to require something from you. It is going to require you to harvest and to bring in that harvest, to pick. That's why Jesus says, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. I'm going to just take this off for a minute. I'm sorry, I'm getting hot here. So to send labor. So we have to, there, a harvest means there is work. So yes, God wants to prosper your finances, but it's going to require some work. God wants to prosper your marriage, but it's not going to be a result of you sitting on your sofa and Netflix, binge watching Netflix. It's going to require you putting in some work with your spouse, putting in some work with thinking about how you can multiply your finances, how you can think of creative ways for extra streams of revenue. But what God is saying is, if you commit to that work, I will bless it. I will prosper it. You will find that you will have a harvest. But you can't harvest something that you didn't plant, right? If, if you don't plant seeds in a field, you have no business. You can, pr you can pray until you're blue in the face. But there's not going to be anything to harvest. God, you know, save my marriage, bless my marriage, prosper my marriage. Well, if you're not taking the time to date your spouse, to flirt with your spouse, to, to love your spouse, to serve your spouse, then it's not going to happen. So what God is saying is if you're willing to work on your marriage, I'm going to crown it with a bountiful harvest. If you're willing to work at your craft, this gifting that I've given you, I'm going to crown it with a bountiful harvest. If you're willing to work on your relationships, I don't have any friends, I don't have anybody that I trust, I'm really believing God for friends. Well, be friendly, show yourself friendly in order to have friends. Reach out through text message, through email, through writing a letter. Be a friend to someone else. And God is saying, I'm going to bless the work of your hands. And here's a, here's, a, here's a blind spot that I think a lot of us get into, and I was alluding to it 
as we were coming into this year, there were so many people that were text messaging me, calling me, meeting me for coffee, and just saying, you know, Pastor Matt, this year, the Christmas just isn't hitting the same. It's been a struggle. I just feel down. I feel heavy. Um, I just don't, like, I, I, I just feel like everything's stacked against me. Again, notice that every single one of those scenarios starts with, I feel. We don't live by feelings, but rather by the truth of God's word. Feelings are powerful when they're, well, feelings are powerful regardless. If they're attached to truth, man, that can really catapult you into the next season of your life. But guess what? Feelings are powerful. And if they're attached to a lie, it can spiral you in the wrong direction. It can build your faith or it can build your worry. So you have to make sure what your emotions are attaching themselves to. And if your emotions have attached themselves to worry, then you have to intentionally take the time to uproot those lies from your life. I love the Apostle Paul said this. He warned us, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you don't lose heart. Again, this same language, you're going to receive a harvest. And again, reaping is work. Paul is saying through the utterance of the Holy Spirit that God has a harvest for all of us. But we have to be mindful that we don't fall into this trap of growing weary in well-doing. I remember one day the Lord, you know, I felt like I was doing everything right right? Which is, a, which is a danger zone right there. Um, but I just wasn't feeling it. And the Lord asked me to read that scripture and I read it and, and it, it didn't resonate. And then he, he showed me, he said, don't grow weary in well-doing. Well, things only grow if you feed them, right? If I don't feed my kid, he's not going to grow. If I don't feed a dog, which I feed too much, he's not going to grow. And so, The weariness grows if you feed it. So you have to, again, take an inventory. What are you feeding? Are you feeding your doubts, your insecurities, and your fears? Or are you feeding your faith? Are you feeding the dreams that God has given you? And so the fact that Paul warns us not to faint before the harvest shows us that we have a proclivity to throw in the towel right before the harvest manifests right before that obstacle breaks down in front of us. We feel like quitting right before things are about to break open and explode for us. And because we know this and Paul is warning us, we have to take this serious that we don't give in to our feelings, but rather we live according to God's truth. And sometimes what that looks like is is proclaiming the word of God over our life and proclaiming those things that are lies, is speaking over our life. You might look like a crazy person because you're talking to yourself, but better to look like a crazy person than to be somebody that's riddled in fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, and depression. And God is saying, if you're willing to turn to these things, I will bless them. I will multiply them for you. John 4.35 says this, Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? 
Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. I used to quote that when I was a new believer. I used to quote that scripture all the time, ripe for harvest, but it actually says white for harvest. And what it's saying is that the, the stock would turn white and it would show you that it was ready to be harvested. It was ready to be brought in. But the danger here is for us to sometimes say, well, the harvest isn't coming. It, it, it's going to be a little while before it comes. And what he's telling us is like, don't fall prey to that. The harvest is now if you're willing to put in the work. Now, some of you may be thinking, though, I haven't necessarily put in the work or you haven't taken a look at my fields or my life is so screwed up. I'm so far in debt. My wife won't even look at me. My marriage is, 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 is teetering on a thread. My relationships have all been burned. I don't know how I can gain any traction in 2023. And I want to just tell you this, that if, you, if you're feeling that for any area of your life, maybe it's your physical life. Maybe you're like, your finances are crushing it. Your marriage is crushing it. But you feel like physically, like I'm not where I want to be. And I feel like there's no way I'm going to be able to get there. Or maybe you're crushing it physically, but your finances aren't there. Regardless, I want to share with you um, some scriptures that I believe are going to, are going to infuse uh, your faith. Because this, this is where Jesus found Peter. If you remember the story, Peter went out all day and he was fishing, right? And he didn't catch anything and he was done. He's like, I'm done with this. He was a professional fisherman and he wasn't catching any fish. And he brought his boat in and Jesus came and he said, hey, why don't you go back out again? And Jesus and Peter's thinking like, dude, you're like, you're a carpenter, right? Like, uh, I've already been out. And he, but he's like, you know what? I'll go out. So he goes out and Jesus says, cast a net on this side. And he brought in so much fish that his boat began to sink. And so what that shows us is that Jesus meets us where, our, where we're at. And some of you may feel like you've done everything you possibly can. There's nothing left to do. You've exhausted all your possibilities. But the beautiful news of the gospel is that that is where God meets us. When there is no other way, God makes a way. That's how he introduces himself to Peter. And he blesses Peter. He meets him where he's at. He blesses him abundantly, more than enough for him in his house and more than enough to be able to give and to help others. And then he calls him to a higher way of living. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I believe God is going to meet us where we're at. He's going to prosper us, but he's going to require something of us. He's going to say, don't stay there. I'm asking you to abandon, you know, the cares of this world and to follow me, to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Because in that same scripture, going back to Psalm 65, 11, he says, even the hard pathways will overflow with abundance. Some of you have been on a hard pathway in your marriage. Some of you have been on a hard pathway in your health. Some of you have been a hard pathway in your finances. But this scripture is telling us that God can bless the hard pathways. He is not limited to what man is limited to. What is impossible for man is possible for God if you simply believe. 
And I want, I want to share this with you. Um, this statement that even the pathways overflow with abundance, he's looking at it from an agricultural setting. He's basically saying, another translation says, there are dry pathways. There are hard pathways. There are dry pathways. Either way, it's hard to produce a crop in a dry or hard soil, right? So he's giving us kind of like an agricultural setting for this. But what he's saying is that it is going to be abundant and fertile, See, some of you have been going through storms in your marriage, storms in your life, storms in your finances, but you got to think about it like this. Storms are disorienting. Storms make a mess of things, but storms also fertilize and bring water and nutrients to the ground, which is necessary for us to be able to produce crops. There's this thing I did a little, um, a little research. It's called a super bloom. Have you guys ever heard of a super bloom? It's not, a, it's not a band from the 90s, which is what it sounds like. But it's actually this occurrence that happens in the desert. It's, it's, it's rare, but it happens like in Nevada. It happens in parts of California, in Arizona. In these super dry, desolate, no vegetation or plant life with the exception of a few like cacti. All right. There's this... Um, this botanical phenomenon, which unusually high proportion of wildflowers whose seeds have laid dormant for years, okay, years, the soil, because of these storms that come in, these super storms, they call them, it germinates the ground and they blossom all at the same time. So, and you can look it up. It's called a super bloom. You can go certain parts of California, Arizona, um, Utah, where it's just absolutely desolate. There's like nothing living. And all of a sudden, there's this super bloom, these beautiful flowers out in the middle of nowhere that came through these storms. And so it's an illustration for us who, when we look at a desert, we say, there's no way that you can bring in a harvest there. God is saying, there is still a way that I can take that broken, hard, dry ground and cause things to grow. And you may be hearing that and say, well, that's still like this nebulous idea, this abstract thing. How does that actually apply to my life? And as I was preparing for this, I was reading in Genesis 26, 12. This is Isaac. And the Bible says this, then Isaac sowed in a land. Again, this, this land, I should have back preface the land was experiencing a, a huge famine. Nothing was growing and nobody had any food. We haven't yet to experience that, but that is a dangerous place to be when you don't know where you're going to get your food. We have an abundance of food here, but especially in these times where they had to sow and reap in order to be able to live, it says Isaac sowed in a land, a land experiencing famine, and reaped in the same year, listen to this, a hundredfold, a hundredfold of what he actually, what he laid down in seed, and the Lord blessed him. I love that it says he reaped a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Was the hundredfold a blessing? Absolutely, but it wasn't just relocated 
to his harvest, it, 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 it went beyond the harvest that he was bringing in. He crowns the year with his goodness. You are surrounded with a bountiful harvest. So don't be worried about what's happening to the left and to the right. You know, Isaac had the opportunity to go to Egypt and he refused to go. He stood his ground. He planted his seeds, which must have made him look like a crazy person. And there are going to be many people that are going to tell you, oh, the economy is doing this right now. You shouldn't do this. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't look at what the economy is doing and that you shouldn't use good stewardship and exercise wisdom. But when the Lord has spoken something to your heart, God will often call you to plant seeds in dry seasons so that others can see the, the blessing and the provision of God in your life. And so don't follow the customs of this world. Isaac planted in a famine and reaped a hundredfold return. And some of you are looking at your field, your marriage, your bank account, your career, and you're thinking dry, dead, hard, nothing is going to grow in that. But the word of the Lord to us going into 2023 is if we position our hearts in faith and we know that we received a word from the Lord, he will cause a super bloom harvest in our lives because God is in the business of redemption. And his power works best in our weakness. In fact, when you set the stage and you can do everything in your own intellect, in your own ability, in your own creativity, just to be honest, it doesn't really give God a lot of room to be God, does it? And so God works best in your brokenness, in your weakness. So the fact that you're starting with a deck, so to speak, that feels stacked against you is actually starting this year off in strength. Not your strength, but his strength. Because this is going to require faith. It's going to require you intentionally praying and proclaiming this over your life, of digging those seeds, of practicing your craft, of flirting with your wife, of taking her out on dates, of thinking of ways that you can bless her, of thinking of ways that you can prosper your career and looking for... Oh, sorry, looking for opportunities. My father used to tell me this all the time. Faith isn't the absence of responsibility. Meaning faith isn't sitting back on your, in, in your living room saying, I'm living in faith and just trusting that it's going to come. Faith without works is dead, right? So it's exercising our faith and God meets us in those spaces and those places. Isaac tilled the ground. Isaac planted the seed. Isaac brought in the harvest in a famine. It was God's responsibility to, to bless him and to bring in the hundredfold harvest. So I want this to be a year where you go to God, you and him, and you write down the things that you're believing for. Write them down and put them in an envelope and seal it. I think it's better to write the vision where you can see it but write the things down that you're believing God for. And believe God for big things. Pray scary prayers. Put God at the task of being God. Don't set a goal for yourself that you can attain in your own strength. 
if I put $50 away every single, you know, paycheck, then, you know, I'm believing God. Um, that's not believing God. That's just you being disciplined to put $50 in your savings account every paycheck. And if you end up at the end of the year, congratulations, you've done what the world can do. You've just simply disciplined your finances. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about excavating the dreams and the vision. I'm talking about you have no money in your bank account right now, but God has whispered to you that you're going to have a rental property. How the heck are you going to do that? Well, you can't, but God can. And begin to dream and begin to pray that God would send the right people into your life. People that think differently. People that have gone before you and are doing this. Don't settle for what you have. Take God to task and believe him for more. Not for the sake of living an opulent life. Look at my big house. Look at my golden uh, lion, uh, you know, statues as you enter my driveway. Not for that but for that your house can be a storehouse to be able to meet the needs of others. Believe for it and proclaim it over your life and write these goals down with a purpose at the end of the year, you can look back and see where, I mean, there was no way that God, that, that I was going to be able to do this, but then God showed up. And then you have the testimony to be able to share with others. So I am asking each and every single one of you to activate your faith this year, to have big asks, to pray scary prayers, and to believe God for more. And I just want to end um, with this. And this is out of um, Psalm 92, 12, and 14, because we make up a million excuses. I'm broke, okay? Uh, I'm sick. Uh, I'm too old. Uh, you know, I'm too ugly. I'm not going to be able to find a spouse. Whatever it is, they're all excuses. And the enemy is going to magnify those, but the God works in spite of all of those excuses. And so if you are of the mindset that you're just too old, that your best years are put behind you, I want to remind you of this scripture in Psalm 92, 12 through 14. And it says this, But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are planted in the Lord's house. You are planted in the Lord's house. You will flourish as long as you are planted in the Lord's house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Twice, God is saying that you will flourish if you are planted. Ready? Even in old age, they will produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. I shared with you uh, many months ago that the New England Journal of Medicine, okay, so you're on the, you're on the fence here, your, your neighbor invited you to church, you're like, I don't know where I feel on this God stuff. Well, here's a little bit of science to help you with this scripture, okay? The New England Journal of Medicine did this study, and they found that the most productive decade of a human being's life was 60 to 70. When, does, when are we told to retire, to set autopilot, and to spend all the money that we've accrued? 60 to 70. So think about it logically. All the business acumen, 
all the creativity that you've excavated, all the wisdom that you've gained in your specific field, you're hitting this sweet spot of 60 to 70, which studies have been done to show that that's the time that you're most productive, that scripture says that you'll, you'll flourish, right? That you'll be green. We stop tapping our imagination. We stop tapping creativity. We stop exercising our wisdom and we set cruise control on our RV and we visit all the ballparks and diners in America and we wait to die. And what God is saying is that this is the time, this is the time that you should be writing a book. This is the time to put all of that business acumen into place and to take that risk. This is the time to pour into the next generation. You know what the New England Journal of Medicine said that the second best decade, 70 to 80. Well, I thought 70 to 80 is when you should start looking at a home. No! This is what the world is trying to do because the enemy knows how dangerous you are. These are the best years of your life. So what you can't run, you know, a six-minute mile? You've, you've acquired so much more than physical strength. You've got faith supercharged over a, over a lifetime of failures and victories. Start exercising it. You've accumulated wisdom. You've made fortunes and lost fortunes. Right? You, you've gone all in on, um, what do they call it, uh, pyramid business. And you've, walk, and yeah, you've walked away from it. You've acquired all of this. And the enemy wants you to go to sleep. And this is the time that you should put your foot on the gas. When is a leaf most brilliant? towards the end of its life. This super bloom in New England where people come and say, your leaves are like, they're purple, they're orange, they're, 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 they're bright yellow, they're almost white. There are these colors that you don't see in other parts of the United States. That's what our lives should look like as we enter these, these, these crowned years, this decade, for, these two decades from 60 to 80. We should be shining vibrantly and pouring into the next generation so that their ceiling can be even higher. That, that our ceiling is their floor. You know, we can say things like we're believing for the next generation to go further, but those words are hollow unless there's intentionality behind it. So I am here to tell you, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're in middle, middle age and you're up to your eyeballs in dirty diapers, God wants to prosper and bless you, which just, by the way, we were driving down the road and my Vander, oh my gosh. And he's just like, my finger stinks. And I'm just like, I got to deal with this. I got to deal with like, why his finger stinks. And I got to think about all the things that he touched that I touched. And, but, but God still wants to prosper me in this season of life. And he wants to prosper you. So let this be year 2023, where you pray scary prayers, where you dream, where you blow the dust off of some things that you've always wanted to do, but you can never find the time or the faith. Let this be the year that you begin to gain traction on those promises. You are not limited by anything that the world or the enemy can mount against you because you serve a limitless God. 
And so the church needs to start to believe and to manifest these promises by faith into the world so that people can see the goodness, the faithfulness, and the redemptive power of God. I'm going to ask you to stand and then I'm going to pray for you. Please, please, please write these things down. Please, please, please bring somebody in. It should be your spouse, but if you don't have a spouse, get your best friend, get your mother, get your father, get somebody that's going to hold you accountable to believing for these things. Let it not be said about you that you were somebody that was on fire in January and you let it fade by June. Post that thing everywhere that you can so it's a reminder that you're not running away from it no matter how bad or hard things get you're going to continue to contend and believe like the persistent widow that kept knocking on her neighbor's door and the judge said I don't even I don't even believe in God but because you're so persistent I'm going to give you this God wants to prosper your life he wants to crown your year with a bountiful harvest. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. And Father, I pray that you would begin to stir their imagination and the dreams that you've placed on the inside of them. I pray that they would walk with you closer this year than they've ever walked with you before. That you would open up your word to them in a way that they've never read before. That you would give them discernment to see those things that are zapping their strength, zapping their faith, zapping their energy, and that you would give them the, the courage and the grace to uproot those things. I ask that you take the wrong people and influences out of their lives and that you would bring the right ones in. I'm asking that you would just pour out liberally wisdom and grace into their life, that no one would be hindered with health issues, that no one would be hindered with lack of finances. I thank you for new opportunities, doors opening for new careers, creative and innovative ideas for extra streams of revenue. I thank you for the humility to start new relationships, to put yourself out there to get to know people. I thank you, Father, that you have blessed and crowned this year with a bountiful harvest. And we, as a body of believers, commit to rolling up our sleeves and be willing to get dirt under our fingernails to bring in that harvest, Lord. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory because you are so worthy. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Next week, everything's back to normal. Enjoy today, enjoy tomorrow, and have a great new year. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.